So Sadie and I didn't have time to record um, a new episode this week, but I recently found a bunch of old episodes that we recorded before Sadie left for the summer, and so I edited it, and here it is, and I apologize if the sound quality is bad this is before we had our new microphones, but enjoy! I bought it. No, I know you did, because I, I did too. But that tastes like that, but like a raspberry Granny Smith apple. That sounds good. Yeah, because we I took it home and James was like, I need to open it right now because I need to know what it tastes like. <laughs> and it's 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 just like, it's candy. It's good. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I want to get more of that wine. Eckert's from Eckert's that that's so really good. good and I want to try more of the um wines in when we go up for the 4th of July mm-hmm. you know because I do? like their wine when I get back um we should just like go to more wineries dad loves going and like getting flights at wineries so we can just go with him I know and they're just like a nice thing to do they're always pretty a lot of them allow dogs and bring Finn no <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, I wish he was better around people that he doesn't know. Sometimes he's, he's like so good. Sometimes he's good. And sometimes, sometimes he's, he's weird. just so weird. And you can't. You don't get he to has guess. Anxiety. <laughs> okay, so my story today is the Nicholson Rand House. My sources are Wikipedia and only in your state. There's not a lot on this little house. Um, but at that point it was too late. I had done most of the research. Yeah. <laughs> it's located in Decatur, Indiana. It is a Gothic revival style home built for David Nicholson. Um, in 1870, he married his first wife. No. In 1870, his first wife, Marion, died. That is the opposite of marriage. <laughs> that is the end of it. Um, and he quickly remarried and that's when he began building the Nicholson Rand house for his new wife so they they had a new place to start their new life together I guess it was completed six years later in 1876 uh, but the marriage ended in nine ooh, 1877 I wrote 19 it's definitely 18 it did not last 101 years <laughs> <laughs> no it ended a year later so he doesn't really ever use the house. <laughs> he sells it in 1879 to Alice and C. Remy, who at the time owned the Remy Hotel in Indiana, in Indianapolis, and it seems that they, like, traded the hotel for the house, because after, like, Remy buys the house, Nicholson becomes the, host propri- the hotel's proprietor. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, nobody knows for sure. Um, I don't, I don't know, and nobody seems to know if Remy actually ever lived in the home or if he just rented the house out to, like, people throughout the 1880s. And I don't know if it was, like, a boarding house style or if it was, like, you know, wealthy families who needed something while they were building their own home. Yeah. Or something, because it's, like, a nice house. In 1903, John Lindsay 
Rand and his wife acquired the house. Um, but it was still being rented out until the next year because the Frank Copeland family was living there until they built their own home. And they, the Rand family was not in any hurry to kick them out. They were just going to wait until their house was built, which is very nice of them. So the Rands lived in the house until their deaths around 1926, after which their daughter, Florence Beckett, inherited it. And I, I guess she lived there? I'm not entirely sure. All I know is her husband was dead by then. The house is again rented out until the 1940s, when Florence's son Joe Rand Beckett moves into the home with his wife, where they live until the 1950s, after which the house is donated to the De DePaul? DePau? D-E-P-A-U-W? DePau? DePau? University. Though they did use it as a seasonal home until their death in 1977, so I don't know what the university used it for. The, the family could also still use it as a seasonal home. But somehow it worked, I guess. <laughs> in 1997, the house was going to be demolished for um, some sort of construction situation. They were going to build something else there. But it was saved and moved half a mile away. Because they were still building there, whether or not the house was there. That didn't matter. They didn't care if they tore down the house. They just wanted the space. Anyway, this is when the paranormal stories start, is when they're moving the house. Literally, when they're moving the house is when the stories start. Because most of this, the stories around this house are, um, you know, like just urban legends. People are making up stories to explain the creepy house. Yeah. For funsies, because life is boring. Um. Because there's no paranormal stories of the location until it's moved either. But there's a very specific event that happens that triggers ghost stories being made up for the house. Mm -hmm. Or happening. Doesn't matter. Anyway, while the house is being moved, because it's literally like a house on a wagon being towed yeah. down the street. Yeah. That kind of moved. <laughs> um, it was photographed because, like, that's a crazy sight. Why not? And in the photograph, there was, like, a ghost girl up in the... Like, what looks like a ghost girl in, in the second story window. And and that photo is what triggers, like, all of the stories being invented. Interesting. Some some tell that story of the photograph being taken that, like, the photographer had also seen, like, a little blonde girl running around in the house before he took the photo. But, like, I feel like that's probably not true. Anyway. So they like to say it was the spirit of a young girl who died in a tragic accident near the home. But some people say it was the spirit of a woman. There's no reason that they say it's two different things. It does look more like a little girl in the photo than it does a woman. Either way, I like the that it had to be a tragic accident and not just like a casual death. Yeah. <laughs> well, why wouldn't it be? It's, more, it's a more fun story if it's a tragic accident. So someone claiming to be a former resident, they don't say who they were, <laughs> says the house was used as a boarding house for a time, and that one of the residents hung themselves in an upstairs room, which is why it was haunted. But also that they weren't implying it was a woman or a girl, they, was, they were implying it was a man, so I don't know how that links to the female ghost that they saw in the window. <laughs> and there's also no proof of this suicide happening. There's not even, like, proof that it was a boarding house. There was, there was only proof that it was rented 
two families. Because <laughs> that's the only spe- specific renters that I'm ever told about. Yeah. Um, but, like, definitely could have been a boarding house. Because there's just not a lot of great records. Other rumors of the house include the walls bleed. And when the walls bleed, you can smell decaying flesh and no. hear screams. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, that seems crazy. And I want to know where the blood goes after the walls are done bleeding. Did it just, just like vanish because it was never there? Or do you have to clean it up every time? Um, I would assume it vanishes. <laughs> um, or people just leave because they're too scared to deal with it. And then it dries on the wall. Yeah. One, one of the sources i read through i don't think i like ultimately used it so i don't remember where it came from but it very well could have been it was the only in your state one was talking about this person who claimed they like grew up there and lived there and that was their like room but like the timing lines up so to either this person's blatantly lying or it was joe ran beckett's family members mm-hmm. and like i don't know why they don't just say they're them because the house wasn't rented out during the period that joe ran beckett lived there and after he's done living there Nobody else is renting it out. Yeah. <laughs> so it has to be his family if this person is actually telling the truth. And, like, they, they're talking about, like, what, one, they never experienced hauntings, but also if they experienced hauntings, these are what the rooms were. Yeah. And it was just, like, a weird, confusing thing that I have a hard time believing. <laughs> but my favorite, my favorite rumor about this house, absolute favorite. Do you remember when it's, do you remember when, when I said it was built? No. Um, they started building in the 1870s, finished it in 1876. Um, okay. We just need to remember that. They said the house was a stop on the Underground Railroad. Do you know why that's a problem? Um, the timeline doesn't match (laughs) up. Because definitely by 1870, these slaves are freed and the Underground Railroad, um, doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Because it's not needed. You know, this sounds like a Zach Bagans, um history. Doesn't it? <laughs> anyway. So this... like in 2004, it was used as an Indian burial ground. And, like, <laughs> the owners sitting there like, no, I've lived here since 1990. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Anyway. So not only is it literally impossible for it to have ever been up, this house ever to have ever been used in the Underground Railroad. They still have a lovely story that goes with it that's more than that. They say that while it was a house used in the Underground Railroad, fugitives were hiding in the basement. And then at one point, the basement catches on fire and everyone in the basement burns to death. After which, they seal off the basement to stop anyone from finding out about the fact that a whole bunch of people burned to death in their basement. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Which one? If that was true, somehow the Underground Railroad is still just running in Decatur, Indiana in the in the eighteen seventies. Somehow that for some weird reason that's happening. They've moved the house, remember? Yeah. So they would have found a sealed off basement full of burnt bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they definitely didn't, because that sure as heck would make the news. <laughs> Way more than the fo- the possible photo of a ghost girl while moving the house. Because <laughs> that made the news. <laughs> um, so I'm not really convinced that the Nicholson Rand house is haunted. 
but I appreciated uh, why why it start the haunting story started and the um, underground railroad bit enough to just to share it. Interesting. All right, so um, so I'm covering the story of Amy Borgeson. Um, I don't really know if I'm saying her name right because she's Swedish, so. Is she that lady who, like, nobody really knows who she is, found on, like, a weird coastal location? Um, not really. Every okay. Otherwise, it she wouldn't have a name. That's fair. Um, so I got my information from newssky.com, thoughtcatalog.com, dailymail.co.uk, and medium.com. I'm liking medium.com more mm-hmm. and more. I keep finding good I things know, on I that. I know, I find good articles on it. Let me move this microphone before I continue. Okay. So, Annie Borgeson was a Swedish native who moved to Edinburgh, Scotland in 2004. She was a gifted linguist and talented musician. She spoke five languages fluently and was in a band that had played all over Europe. So, she found it hard to live in Scotland because she couldn't really find, like, a steady job and, um was trying to work at a hotel or something and couldn't really keep a job or or get one. Mm. And so she returned to Sweden in August of 2005, but returned after a short trip home in late October. So she was said to have no financial worries because she was receiving unemployment support from Sweden. Um, she had bought a leisure card, which I'm not really sure what that is. I'm assuming it's like a train pass thing, maybe. Or, like, a prepaid credit card or something. I have no idea. Um, and she had paid for her rent. So, like, she wasn't... It didn't seem like she was, like, struggling in any way. Um, for fun, she would walk, swim, and explore the arts and culture of the city. And in her free time, um, she just kind of went and explored and, you know, took time to herself. And on one of her nights out, she met a man named... Martile Leslie. I don't think I'm saying any of that right, but um, he was a New Zealander who was an international rugby player. Mm. Um, but it turns out that this guy wasn't. Oh, that's why I didn't say it right because his name's Martin, and I mart I literally typed Martile. Um, turns out he wasn't Martin Leslie. Um, they think that the man might have been like swindler and he was like trying to Mm -hmm. impress her and he might have been like a stalker um who knew that she liked rugby leisure cards are like how you access it's like a sort of semi-state funded way to access like gyms and other things like that okay that makes sense um but yeah so this guy no one really knows who he actually was But he had kind of, like, been in and out of her life since she had moved to Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. If that's how you say it, I don't know. I think so. Edinburgh. Um, No, it's not Edinburgh. (laughs) No. Um, So he had been in and out of her life, but then, like, just recently before um, her death, because obviously she dies, it's Mm -hmm. a true crime... Um, this guy had, like, been in her local swimming pool, 
that you probably access with her leisure card. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she would like. Have I been saying Anne or Annie? Because her name's Anne. Annie. So if I've said that wrong, I'm sorry. Um, what was I saying? Oh, but so she like regularly attended rugby games at one of the like rug- rugby clubs in that area. Mm-hmm. So that might have been where he like saw her mm-hmm. and like he looked enough like this famous rugby player that that's why he said that's who he was. Mm-hmm. Um. And her best friend said, the last time I spoke with Annie over the phone, we spoke about how fun. See, this doesn't even make sense because I didn't even type it right. <laughs> how much fun we would have when she arrived at Stockholm Skavsta Airport. So when she gets back home. Yes. <laughs> um, and she told me that she would book an appointment with her hairdresser and... The only thing that was bothering Annie at the time of our conversation was the strange behavior of the man, Martin Leslie. Um, Annie met this man whom she knew as Martin Leslie two times during her last week in life. The first meeting made her feel almost a little scared, and during our last phone call, she told me about his strange behavior at a rugby gathering at Murrayfield Rugby Club, and she told me that she had now decided to try and keep away from this man. So whoever this guy doesn't seem like, whoever he is, he doesn't seem like good news. Mm-hmm. I wish she's realized that. Yeah. Um, so whoever this guy was, because they're saying it's not the real Martin Leslie, but at the same time in the article, they say they never find out if it actually was real Martin Leslie or not. Oh, wait. So they're like, they think it's some kind of sexual predator or something. But also, it could have been the real guy, because I guess nobody checked where he was. No one looked into his alibi? Yeah. Um, Because, like, this guy, apparently, um, it's another quote from her best friend, said he would even talk about his brother, John, who also played for Scotland and had a bad knee injury. Um, And then it says, despite only having met him twice, Annie told her family that she regarded him as a sexual predator and she was planning to cut off all contact with him. So, like, if this guy's a stalker, he really committed to the role and, like, did mm-hmm. background research on this man in 2004, which I don't know how much background research you can really do on people in 2004. Um, I mean, unless he was just actually a rugby fan. Oh, it's 2005. Yeah, that's, I, yeah, unless, so or like maybe been, he knew him personally mm-hmm. and, like, I don't know. Or someone he knew was just really okay. into the sport. Like. So, that's just a little background on, like, what was going on in her life around the time of her death. So, Annie left her apartment in Edinburgh on December 3rd, 2005 with the intention of catching an evening flight to Sweden from Prestwick Airport that evening. So, she got to the airport, which was about 32 miles from her apartment, but never made it onto her flight. Um, So, CCTV footage showed her trying to take out money multiple times from two different ATMs, Mm -hmm. but apparently she didn't have the funds. So she was denied, and then later that day, she was seen wandering around Prestwick. Um, And then on December 4th, 2005, she was discovered by a dog walker, face down, covered in sand and seaweed, seemingly washed up on Prestwick Beach. Beside her body, police found a bag containing her passport, some books belonging to a Swedish library, her wallet, and some clothes. Um, her long hair had also been cut off about, like, four inches or so, 
And they also Why? later discovered that there was unknown DNA on her hands. The hair being cut off is So, gross. yeah, it's not great. Um, so, her family lost confidence in the authorities when, days after Annie's death, a local newspaper reported that police were not treating the case as suspicious, despite the fact that an autopsy had not yet been conducted. We found a dead lady on a beach. And they said there were no suspicious circumstances surrounding her death. They also failed to note her missing fleece top and a filofax, which she would take everywhere with her. Like, her family was like, she uh-huh. would never leave anywhere without it. Um, and the folder didn't, like, usually contain any kind of money, but it yeah. contained a list of, like, her contacts and the details for everyone she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so within a few days, her autopsy concluded that the most likely cause of death was drowning and Scottish authorities informed the family that Annie had died by suicide. So, her family insists that she had no history of self-harm or mental illness, and her mother, I can't say this name, G-U-J-E. J-U? G-U. G-U. J-E. G-U-J-E. Mm-hmm. Guya? Um, we'll go with that. Could not be, um, like, her mom just couldn't see her daughter walking into the well, sea not all less than a mile from the airport when she was suicides. intending to fly so why would home. You immediately... It's just everybody just thinks she killed herself, and that's what they, <clears throat> that's what authorities said, because that was just their first assumption, mm-hmm. and, like, her family was just like, why would she kill herself? She, they're like, she has these library books, you know, mm-hmm. that she's going to take home to Sweden to return to the library. Like, it just didn't make any sense. And, like, she told her family she was coming home that day. She told her best friend she was coming home. Like, um... She made plans with She didn't leave... Yeah. Um, <laughs> she didn't leave any suicide note. Um, and as the weeks and months passed, her family began to unearth a series of troubling discoveries. Um, so it started out, like, with simple things, like, how did her bag wash up right next to her body on the beach if she had drowned herself? Because she wasn't holding it. Yeah. It wasn't, like, her clutching it. It was just, it happened to end up right next to her. Um, then it emerged that the London Funeral Company that organized the transport of her body to Sweden had raised the alarm over heavy bruising discovered on Annie's body. And it was bruising that did not feature in the autopsy report. I was going to say, it seems like the autopsy didn't do a very good job. No. The funeral people are the ones noticing things. Um, so then after a while, her family began to wonder if Annie had even drowned at Prestwick Beach. Um, they started to think that her body and the bag had just been placed there and made to look like she had washed up on the beach. And instead she drowned in the, her local pool. Well, like, there was... They did this test that on her skin was, like, particles from, like, this kind of seashell or something or, Mm -hmm. like, sand or something that only happens in freshwater. Okay. Um, so it couldn't have come from the ocean, Mm -hmm. but then someone said, like, well, maybe it's just because she's been drinking tap water her whole life and, like, that just got into her skin. And I was like, I ain't never (laughs) heard nothing like that. I don't think you know anything about science. I was like, I don't think I have seashell particles in my skin because I drink tap water. To, to like, be that 
<clears throat> noticeable of a level. Yeah, I don't know. It's well, very... and, and like, would the seashell be in Swedish freshwater? That's what I. Because that's where that's she where grew she's. Up. Yeah. So I don't know. They would be drinking that tap water. Way I don't know what that whole thing is, but no one ever looked into Not it to more. Mention, to... Europeans don't drink a lot of tap water. Nobody ever looked into. <laughs> it. Yeah, no, they don't. They drink bottled water. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, they drink sparkling water. Anyway, so no one ever looked into that further to see like what actually. Like, if that actually had anything to do with the case. Um, so the family took the investigation into their own hands and discovered an alternative explanation as to how she died. And also, all signs pointed to not being suicide, but instead to murder and possibly a cover-up. No way. Of one of the world's most notorious intelligence agencies. Now, who is that? I'm not really sure because they... Wait, anyway, do they never say? We'll get into it. <clears throat> oh, I thought you meant they never say which intelligent agency it is. Um, <laughs> so, while searching for the contact details lost in the file of facts, because um, she was probably, I think her mom was trying to, like, contact people and see if mm-hmm. she, had, Annie had called them and, like, yeah, seemed yeah. unwell or, like, there were any signs of mm-hmm. suicide or something. Or if anybody knew who might be creepy in her life. Yeah, she so her anything. mom logged into her Hotmail account and it had been completely wiped. Okay. Um, Which she could have done as someone suicidal because she might have been covering something up. But also it's suspicious. Um, And then also when Annie's best friend, Maria... Jansen, who's the girl that I've been saying her is their best friend, who's been quoting, who I've been quoting. Mm-hmm. Um, she attempted to obtain details of her own telephone calls that she made to Annie around the time of her death. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't exist. Okay, so that's why people think it might be. An so yeah, there agency. was not a single record of any call made between Maria and Annie for months. Oh goodness. Um, Even on her own phone. And it, and yeah. They couldn't find anything in, like, actual records. Yeah. So they were like, well, maybe Annie just deleted the emails herself, but then it's like, then why are there no phone records either? Because you can't wipe that. You can't wipe that from a system, especially if you're in a different country. No, that's bizarre. Um, Unless the friend did it all along. And they never really So after that, Maria started to receive um, weird silent phone calls. Um, and then she started to have trouble accessing her own email accounts. Um, and then Marie, so she started to like dig deeper because like, this is all like really weird and like, wouldn't happen if it's just a random murder on the beach, you know? Mm-hmm. So Maria discovered the existence of a U.S. journalist by the name of Krista, Cri- oh, not Krista, Christina Borgeson. Um, and Annie's full name had been Annie Christina Borgeson. Um, oh, and, it might have been, like, a confusion. And Christina wasn't just a local journalist giving reports on, like, you know, stuff going on around town. She was apparently an intense critic of U.S. foreign policy. Um, and it was believed that she had been investigating the CIA's rendition rendition program. I honestly don't know what that is. No clue. But it ran through Prestwick Airport. Um, and so Annie's death has sparked a wave of conspiracy theories. One theory being that, um, 
maybe she had something to do with alleged CIA rendition flights through pre- the Prestwick Airport, um, which was used for ex- extra legal transfer of prisoners between countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so now this might be a whole um, spy situation. Um, so, um, so rendition as U.S. policy has a history that goes back to the Reagan years. It was during the war of terror, war on terror that Bush, that the Bush administration began regularly flying terror suspects to CIA black sites abroad. Um, this allowed the security forces to... I'm just going to skip that whole line because that doesn't make sense. <clears throat> so with this, the British government um, allowed these flights to refuel and resupply at Prestwick. And they often carried illegal detained prisoners. And then in 2018, a report of the scandal was filed by the Intelligence and Security Committee. I don't know why this is a scandal. But oh, because they're illegally detaining people and then torturing them in the air. <laughs> oh, is that why? Yeah, that's that's what I'm understanding from what you just okay. said. Is is they have people who they have no this right. This is to just have. like going over my head. Other than and I then understand, they're, they're transporting. The reason they're people. flying around everywhere is because in their like international like, not no one has this airspace situation. Yeah, like international waters. Yes, exactly. But airspace. And okay. They're just doing illegal things in places where no one can do anything about it. All right. So apparently in 2018, it broke that one of the people that was being flown around, like one of the prisoners, was one of the masterminds behind the 9-11 attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so the U.S. and U.K. governments deny the claims um, and say that airports under direct control of Scottish ministries are clearly implicated in the vilest of crimes um it was a quote from some guy um let's see here john finney who's a scottish green msp don't know what that is but he says like clearly this is happening and it's been happening um mm-hmm. i wonder if it's just like a case of mistaken identity not that she was like connected to what was happening, but well, having a says, similar name to that reporter. Maybe Christina Borgeson was in Scotland to investigate Prestwick using the name Annie Borgeson. Mm-hmm. And she was... Oh, I don't she know. She was this actual journalist. Is what you're saying. Well, what they're saying is, like, she might have been the actual journalist. Okay. Or... Maybe this lady had gone there and found out that some lady was there by the name of Annie Mm -hmm. and used her name. Mm -hmm. But then the people got the wrong person. Wrong one, yeah. um, It's a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, so they're thinking it might have been MI5 or the CIA Mm -hmm. that dealt with her murder. Mm -hmm. Um... So, then it says, the British government has a long history of spying against individuals it considers subversive. Um, suspected of being undercover, Christina Borgeson 
would have undoubtedly included Annie. So it's like, it maybe it is the same person, mm-hmm. or like I said, maybe it's two and two of the same. Who I don't know really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then it just goes into this weird rant that I don't really understand. <laughs> And it, like, talks about how Annie told her dad that she was going to get married, and they're thinking maybe she was, like, undercover and, like, wanted to get out of that life and was going to take, like, this person home and just, like, start over and not be a spy anymore. But she knew too much, so she couldn't just, like, leave and go live a new life. So maybe that's what happened. Um, so documents part of a year-long investigation into her death between the Swedish Foreign Ministry and Scottish authorities have emerged, most of which are heavily redacted because Annie's death is considered classified as secret by the Swedish Foreign Ministry. Interesting. Why would you... Because this is just... She died when she was 30. Like, this is just a 30-year-old woman who was in a band. Uh Uh-huh. So why is her death classified as a secret? Anyway. No, that's weird. So, at her apartment, all of her toiletries, makeup, toothbrush, and toothpaste were missing. Which, if she's leaving... But she... I know there's no, like, evidence or anything that says she had an actual suitcase with her when she was leaving. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know where this stuff might have been. Because none of it was in her little bag that they found either. So, maybe she took it with her in that bag. Like, where's the suitcase Yeah. Like, we're missing at least one bag. Because <laughs> um, you would assume she's going more than just with her purse if she's flying back to Sweden. Yeah. Not that she would necessarily need a lot of things, depending on what she left with her family. Because, like, yeah. I know I, like, coming here, I don't, when I stay here overnight, I don't, like, bring extra toothpaste. Um, she was also missing some of her underwear and her favorite t-shirt that she always slept in. Uh-huh. And they weren't found in that bag, like I just said. Mm -hmm. And so, like, some of her friends there thought maybe she had just been, like, staying overnight somewhere else. Like, maybe she did have a different place, her secret agent lair, or Mm -hmm. maybe she was seeing someone, or, like, they're not really sure. Um, but yeah. So that's just, like, another weird little tidbit that doesn't really make sense. But, you know, maybe she never had that much in her apartment anyway, Mm -hmm. if she didn't really want to live there. Especially um, since she's having trouble finding jobs, and so she doesn't know how long she's going to be there. Yeah. Even. So now authorities are saying that the reason that the files are heavily redacted are because, quote, the information concerns Sweden's relations with a foreign state and a foreign authority. They said that, quote, the disclosure of the information will damage Sweden's international relations or, in other ways, harm national interests. Well, maybe don't do dirty dealings. I don't know what to tell you. Um, one document, which was filed a day after her death, appears to indicate the Swedish embassy detailing how Scottish authorities had subjected Annie's suicide, had suspected Annie's suicide, despite having not conducted an autopsy on her body. So before doing any investigation, they're just like, oh, she washed up on the beach, she killed herself. Ah. Which, how does that make any sense at all? Um... So her family has been trying for years to get information on what actually happened to Annie, um, including non-redacted documents. Um, they just want to see what's in the documents. Mm-hmm. Um, they also want to find post-mortem fo- photographs because I guess well, like they, they never got to see her body. Those. 
Um, Where'd her body yeah. go? Um, I think it says last, it in last thing you said was the the funeral people were shipping it. She ended up getting buried somewhere, but I guess they didn't let her the family see her body. Why? Um, I don't know. How do they know it was her then? Uh, Wouldn't a family member need to like positively identify her? That's what I don't know, but her passport was found in the bag, and I guess they were like, well, this matches her passport. I, I still don't, I still think you have to have somebody, like, identify you, even if you have I don't know if that's you. how it works in a foreign place. No idea. That's true. So, since her untimely death, Annie's mother has campaigned restlessly, resentlessly, relentlessly. Relentlessly. I can't read. <laughs> for an official inquest into her daughter's death. Um, she met with, um, Minister Alex Salmond in 2008, and she met with noted Scottish actor Ken Scott. Um, he joined the family's calls for action and helped them get over 3,000 signatures on a petition, um, that they presented to Scottish Parliament at the end of 2013. Mm-hmm. So far, all of her p- appeals have been denied, and the family is said to have lost faith in Scottish justice. Um, and her mom said, This is a beautiful country with lovely and caring people. Please do not leave them and our family with all of these unanswered questions. All we want is a fatal accident inquiry into Annie's mysterious death. Please let us know why Annie had to die in the country she loved. So that's sad. Um, yeah, so Annie was laid to rest back home in rural Sweden. Every year her mother creates a new tableau. I don't know how to say this. T-A-B-L-E-A-U. Tableau. What is that? She creates a new one of those with vibrant displays of flowers in the summer. I don't know what that is, though. Um... I guess it's like a little memorial. Mm-hmm. Thing. Yeah, and I was like, I can picture it, but I can't um, verbally explain it. So she it to does you. it with flowers in the summer, hedgehogs and apples in autumn, and both a gingerbread house and a Christmas tree in the winter. Um, at the spot where Annie's body was found, a plaque was erected in her memory, um, but no one knows who put it there. And that's the story of Annie Borgeson. Hopefully it makes sense because it's pretty confusing and I don't really know what a lot of the stuff fully means because I'm not a CIA member, but <laughs> it's just like a mysterious It's just so weird death. that they're, yeah, they won't let the family have all the information even if it well, was after just a so suicide long, and it's been so long. Like, what are they? Like, even America's government is like, you want to know by aliens? Here's all the files we have. <laughs> Like, make that public. Yeah, but I don't think they've admitted to killing the democratically elected leader of Chile yet, so. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I think like we that. just know that one. I don't think they've admitted it yet. But yeah, so. That's the story. And um, to this day, no one knows what really happened with Annie. Poor Annie. If it's even her. Because you brought up a good point. Technically, the family has not been able to confirm that it's her. (laughs) Yeah, as far as we know. They just said, oh, no, it's her. She was found with a purse that had a passport in it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, her file effects could be on the real Annie. Listen. If she's still out there. Right. All right. Well, um, try not to get murdered and don't mess with Ouija boards. Bye. Bye.